talking about the one of the what's this? Tell me about it. One of the voices of process. One it's another voice, the evil side. Yeah, whatever your name is, say. Welcome back to another episode of Evil Examine. Uh, so this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, uh, we gave John PP a week a week off, you know, because he's been partying hard. You know, yeah, he's got to rest. And uh, you know, it's he takes a drive out here to come on the podcast. So you know, every time he's sacrificing for you guys, just so you know, he does it for you. Um, but. We said, you know, let's give another week because we had some other audio we wanted to share with you guys. Um, it's it's a local attraction from Providence called Providence Ghost Tours. Where basically they'll walk all around the city. And I mean, this place is super old. So there's tons of stories uh, from all different time periods that they'll, they'll go through. Um, and they also have a boat tour. So that's actually what we ended up going on. And capturing the audio from. So you're going to hear like a whole walkthrough of downtown Providence and all different buildings and areas that are pointed out in the uh, the macabre and Some ghostly. History. Yeah, all the different creepy stories that, that come along with it. Um, so I think the audio is maybe about 45 minutes, right? Um, mm-hmm. And we're just going to kind of set you up with a intro here explaining it, but... Um, what did you think about the tour? I thought it was really cool. I learned a lot um, because they also told you some crazy events that happened in Providence, like different hurricanes and floodings and things like that, That and how the city's landscape has changed over time that I didn't know because I don't know shit. I'm not from here. I didn't know that. Did you see, like when we were on the boat too, they had like really cool flood lines yeah. on different parts. Like you mm-hmm. could see exactly how crazy... The hurricanes were. Yeah. It's insane to think about. It was kind of a crazy night in Providence that night. Because wasn't it Columbus Day when we did it? Right. A.K.A. Indigenous People's Day. Yeah. So there's a lot of people with their feathers ruffled uh, out and about. It was really cool. It seemed like a lot of people were coming together, like playing music and stuff. Yeah. Then there were some other people that came together that were more of a devious nature. That we encountered on the boat yeah. ride. So if, picture it like when you're hearing this audio, we're kind of going down 
this water channel, right? Like where like Providence has this river, the Providence River that kind of like runs straight to like downtown and This is the river that Gene said he jumped in to try and get pussy. <laughs> and and nasty didn't get pussy. river. Yeah. Stinky river. Um you can see like dead things floating in it. And like um but they have all these boats for a thing they do called water fire where they have little fires along the river that they light up and each of the boats is named after some like Greek myth, like they'll have like Nike and things like that and Artemis. And so we're in this boat with maybe about um, 12 people, maybe. Yeah. And then there's the guy that drives the boat and the tour guide uh, who she was, she was cool. She was like really into it. You'll hear her speaking for the most part of it. Mm-hmm. And then the boat, the boat dude comes on and kind of tells a couple of short stories. Um, but she's really, Providing, passionate. yeah, she's passionate in providing like all the kind of ghostly uh, content, and um, so if you hear some stuff in the background, forgive us. the The audio was kind of tough to pick up, but you'll definitely be able to hear it. But it might not be up to our normal standard. Uh, but we thought it was really cool and wanted uh, to share it with you guys. And if you like it, uh, you can uh, look up Providence Ghost Tours online. Uh, they do really great walking tours too. Um, and they, there's so many stories, they tell different stories every time. So it's not like you're going to necessarily get the same thing twice. There's just so much history. Uh, it's worth doing again. We're going to do the walking tour too. Um, mm-hmm. It's cool that they're out here doing that. But yeah, you're going to hear some band stuff in the background at one point. <laughs> you're going to hear some homeless vagrants. Um, <laughs> what? We went down this one. Characters there's like a fork in the river thing at one point. Um and like this, this guy just there's like three bums and one's like laying. It looks like he's dead on the ground. And then he just raises up like the Undertaker, and he's like, "It's a dead end." And then they, I guess he's done this to them before because the tour guide people start screaming at him. We know, thank you. <laughs> and then he just keeps saying it. And then this guy, the homeless guy next to him, holds up three fingers and he's like, he says it three times. He says it like he has, like he has a tick or something, and he has to say it. And, uh, and he said it more than three, though. And then he kept screaming other stuff. So. And Enjoy. then, uh, <laughs> yeah, we saw some uh, pimps and prostitutes at one point. That was pretty cool, too. Yeah. Um, There's a guy taking pictures, too, of, uh, like, a prostitute. <laughs> like. Yeah. And then, there, oh, the, you go under a tunnel at one point, and there's this extremely creepy man with a red light playing guitar by himself. Mm, he was pretty good at guitar, too. Yeah. Well, he looked like he had some pain to unleash. So yeah. you may hear some guitar in the background faintly at one point. Um, and then there was some other kid rapping to himself at first. Then and he saw us. telling us how sexy he was. <laughs> yeah, he kept saying how sexy he was. And he, he basically yelled, fuck the police at us and tried to get us to hear his raps. But we was just trying to hear them ghost stories, yo. Know what I'm saying, yo? Boo. But... We hope you guys enjoy it. Um, before we get into and play it, I just want to let you guys know, too, that um, uh, you can go on www.evilexamined.com. Uh, Katie reached out to Andy Dick to let him know that <laughs> we just published Scary Bastard. So uh, Andy Dick left us a <laughs> congratulatory video. Um, in fairness, that we paid for, but it's fucking hilarious. So maybe you could check it out. Um, also we put up, uh, all the videos from our last episode, right. Uh, that we told you like the Katy Perry glitch out is up there. Uh, the carnival, the horrific carnival accidents 
montage video and um, the story about the lady that laced the bean dip with meth is all up there. <laughs> so we're going to try and do that moving forward. Uh, hopefully add some video content. So mm-hmm. like the stuff you're hearing us talk about, you can go to the website and like view stuff on it too. And um, yeah, so you can see the Andy Dick video and that stuff. Also Scary Bastard, um, Die Tommy, and Try the New Candy are all available on Kindle Unlimited. And there's another book, that book, uh, Forest of Fear, Volume 1, which is a horror microfiction anthology by Bloodsong Books, uh, is available on Kindle right now. Um, So you can check that out. I got three stories in there. A little post-Halloween hangover for you. And um, Hot card. Oh, yeah. And then uh, what? uh, 100 Word Horrors. Um, I have my story Hot Cars in there. I got some a cool a cool review recently um, on that, and I think uh, the lady said it was uh, nauseatingly realistic. So it is. Anytime I can bring someone to almost vomit, I'm very proud of myself. Yeah, that's why he keeps me around. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, I got one other feedback uh, where the guy said um, that in "Try the New Candy," the story "House Sitting with Dad" that. Um, it was it was the most disturbing and and violent um, story about a ch- like involving a child that he's ever read, and I, apparently he's a big splatterpunk horror fan. Like th- all this guy does is read that stuff. But he said uh, he was at the doctor's office and he was reading it, and then he went, um, "Oh shit, he really went there." And then everybody looked at him. So <laughs> that could I be thought you that was pretty cool. The book. <laughs> yeah, you, this could be you at the doctor's office reading, <laughs> reading the book. Uh, you know, scarring yourself. So, all right. Thanks for listening to the spiel. But uh, yeah, let's get into uh, the haunted boat tour in Providence, Rhode Island. If you enjoy your tour this evening and you would like additional stories, there are walking tours which have almost entirely different stories. Every night at seven o'clock, starting Prospect Harris Park now through Halloween, and then on the weekends through late December. It is ProvidenceGhostTour.com. If you need a reminder of that later because you've forgotten, because you've been so excited, I am happy to remind you later. Now, there are common themes between the two tours. One of them is, of course, history and ghosts. But the other that you might not expect is transformation and secrets. So to kick us off, we're going to talk about the transformation of this river. In 1636, when Roger Williams discovered the... well, discovered this place in the New World after he left Massachusetts Bay Colony, realizing that he would not find religious freedom there as someone other than a Puritan. He felt divine providence had led him to this river, and he started his community around it. Initially, it was used for farming and fishing and transportation between settlements. Then Samuel Slater smuggled the plans for his industrial building into the New World, and the first industrial building in the country sprung up along one of the rivers that feeds into this one. A little while after that, the second industrial building in the country sprung up further down the river and is featured on our tour this evening. Now, at that point, the traffic on the river was less about from one farm to another and was more industrial. And there was an influx of people coming to work inside those mills. And with that influx of people and that changeover in how the river was being traveled, it started to become polluted rather quickly. Then we fast forward a little further, and as the country expanded inland, 
trains took over as the main mode of transporting things. And so this lovely river that had once been the heart blood of the community became a nuisance. And so they covered it over and laid roads and train tracks over it. And a hundred years ago, you would not have recognized this place. By the 1980s, those trains were no longer serving us as well. And so we needed, instead of that, to have a beautified waterfront that would bring people in. And they started working toward what you see today. Now, very quickly, the vocabulary I'm gonna be using this evening, I apologize, I'm competing, <laughs> I know. Now, toward the bottom of the manifestation ladder, we have an orb. An orb is a ball of light that shows up in a photograph. Once in a while, you might get lucky and see it with the naked eye. It can be small and bright, large and dissipated, any color of the rainbow, but it is always a circle. So if you get one in a photo, zoom in, make sure it's a circle. If it's a hexagon, an octagon, a pentagon, anything with hard lines, that's lens flare. While you're zoomed in, check to see if there's anything else in there, like eyes, the rest of a face, something of that nature. Same goes for if you get ectoplasm or ectomist. When you talk about the smoke that isn't coming from a fire and seems to have a mind of its own, or the swirling mist that then turns into something else, that's ectoplasm or ectomist. If you happen to see that in a photo, you should absolutely make sure that there's nothing else inside that mist, because you may see a face or a hand or the figure of some person. And that means that it's actually starting to transform from ectomist into that next level of spiritual manifestation, the apparition. Now, when I say the word ghost, what you are most likely thinking of right now is an apparition. So that covers the bedsheet ghost, the Casper ghost, the hand in the reaching out of the darkness, the eyes appearing out of nothing, the person you can see right through or who becomes kind of hazy and smoky around the edges, those things that are clearly otherworldly, but you can get a sense of what it once was. That is the apparition. The holy grail of spiritual manifestation is the specter. A specter is fully formed, can even be tangible. I'm told they are very cold if you are to touch them. They generally are in appearance and in speech pattern a little bit out of sync with what you would expect and often are behaving in a manner that doesn't quite line up with what their surroundings are. However, that is not always a given. The dead giveaway of a specter in any scenario is when they vanish into thin air. The last two things are a poltergeist, which doesn't manifest physically, but manifests as sounds or smells or by moving other objects. That includes not only things being floated across the room or thrown very quickly, but people being slapped or scratched. The smell of grandpa's cigar when all the windows are closed and no one's smoking anything. And the sound of a baby crying in the middle of the night when you're home alone, nothing is playing and there is no baby. And the very last thing is a shadow person. A shadow person is a shadow that appears to be the figure of a person, is not cast by any person, and generally seems to be observing and often moves in a scuttling manner. Now, to get us started with our actual stories, I want you to direct your attention right over there. You're gonna see a red sign, it says Biltmore. Now, until very recently, that was the Providence Biltmore. It was recently purchased and is now the Providence Graduate Hotel, although I don't think that sign is coming down anytime soon, as the Biltmore is what it was erected as. In 1919, a man from Germany by the name of Johann Lisa Weisskopf, a self-professed Satanist, which did not endear him to the Anglo-Saxon Protestant community of Providence, proposed to build a hotel. Well, while he was not the type of person they generally liked, he did have something that they were always willing to welcome with open arms. 
very deep pockets. So they allowed him to build his hotel, and in addition to the other things he may have been, he was a very savvy businessman. He saw prohibition coming down the pipeline, and so when it did, he was ready for it. He greased the right palms, and the Bacchanal Club opened almost immediately. And it served the corrupt politicians, clergy, and police officers of the day. They would be served their libatious desires by waitresses wearing only gauze skirts. Now, Johann was also ready to serve their carnal desires as well with a staff of prostitutes on hand. And during the time that they were operating, at least eight of those prostitutes were murdered within the hotel. One of them was a girl of only 11 who was drowned in a bathtub. Guests of the hotel occasionally will call the front desk complaining about the sound of a party going on upstairs. They report hearing the stomping of feet, the clinking of glasses, laughter, and music. The front desk assures them that there is no party going on upstairs, and when they insist, they go up to check. And of course, the room is empty and dark, and there is no sign of a party. So we believe that the Bacchanal Club is still raging on to this day. Guests also called the front desk toward the end of October. Every October 29th, they get a call reporting a jumper. On, in October 29th of 1929, when the stock market crashed, there was a stockbroker staying at the Biltmore. When he discovered the news, he couldn't bring himself to face his clients or his family again, and so, in desperation, he threw himself out the window of his ninth floor room and went crashing down to the sidewalk below. Every October, October 29th, guests in rooms below the ninth floor report <coughs> seeing a jumper fly by their window. However, no one is ever found on the sidewalk anymore. There is one last story associated with the Biltmore that does not generate phone calls from, to the front desk, but has generated a video on YouTube. Now, one of our guides stayed in a room there where she experienced interesting things happening with the bathroom door throughout the night. The bathroom door, which was closed and the bathroom unoccupied throughout the night, the doorknob would shake. Well, the guest who decided to post a video on YouTube had fallen asleep with the door to the bathroom open. He was awoken in the middle of the night to the sound of it slamming shut. He woke up, he startled, he crossed over to the bathroom, he opened the door ready to fight somebody who was sneaking into his bathroom and found that there was no one in the bathroom. So after a moment he decided it's an old building, it's probably settled funny over the years, checked the door, it didn't seem to be swinging oddly, so he went back to bed. Just as he started to drift off, it slammed shut again. Gets up opens it again, it feels solidly open, and so heads back to bed, decides he's not going to get to sleep, takes out his phone, and starts recording. He begins the video by explaining what's been happening, and after a few moments, you see the door slam shut. He gets up, crosses the room, opens the door, steps inside, and pans the camera around the room so that you can see that it is, in fact, empty, and that's where the video ends. We think that this is probably that 11-year-old girl trying to protect herself in death the way she was unable to in life. So if you're interested in staying in a very haunted hotel, I recommend the Biltmore. If you want a haunted hotel but you don't think you're ready for that level, I recommend the Hampton Inn and Suites, which you can look right over there. You see another red sign kind of peeking over that tree. 
the Hampton Inn and Suites is an affordable hotel right in the heart of Providence's jewelry district. Now, it was once a church where people would go and worship God, and then it was a bank where people would go and worship money, and now it is an affordable hotel. There are echoes of its past lives in the building, so there are beautiful details from its life as a church, heavy iron bars from its life as a bank, and on the sixth floor, the staff report seeing a shadow person in the hallway who seems to mostly watch and occasionally unsettlingly scuttle down the hallway. Should you stay there and encounter the shadow person or anything else, please do let us know so we can add to the reasons you should stay at the Hampton Inn and Suites. Now, as we pass under the bridge, coming up on your right is comparatively to the buildings around it, a low red brick building with black shutters on the side of the windows. That is the second industrial building in the country, Steeple Street. Now, until very recently, it was a Fat Bellies, and prior to that, it was Three Steeple Street Bar and Bistro for several years. And as Three Steeple Street Bar and Bistro, it was near and dear to the hearts of those of us on the ghost tour. As the ghost tour was being built, my boss was constantly being told that she needed to go talk to Bill at Steeple Street. And when she did, boy, did it pay off. Steeple Street, as a former mill, is so haunted that it could probably be its own tour, but we don't have that kind of time. So you get some of the favorite stories. Now, just so that everybody knows what it was like to work in a mill, there was no maximum number of hours in a workday. There was no minimum work age, and conditions were not safe. Employee life was not valued, as there were so many people coming in search of work that it was very easy to replace someone. We know. Thank you. We know. Thank you very much. It was very easy to replace. We know. Thank you. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> now that I know that he's heard me, so. Um, it was very dangerous working conditions, and there were children often employed because they could fit into the machinery when it got stuck. <clears throat> so with the working conditions that they had in those mills, there was a lot of death, and most in early industrial buildings are very haunted, and this is no exception. Now, one of the most spectacular uh, things is that there was a haunting that would happen in broad daylight. In the middle of the day, customers would notice a couple stroll through the dining room, and they didn't appear to be walking through a stuffed dining room watching diners. They seemed as though they were kind of observing people who had worked for them, making sure that they were doing what they were supposed to do. We believe that this was the Congdens who owned the mill strolling through to make sure that their mill was turning a tidy little profit. Now, one evening, the new night manager, Jen, on one of her first evening shifts alone, was up in the office on the second floor after everyone had gone home for the evening and it had been locked up. She was doing the closing paperwork and suddenly she heard the sounds of furniture being turned over and dishes smashing. She rushed from the office and down the stairs and into the dining room where she saw tables turned over, the tablecloths ripped off of them, strewn all over the floor, and dishes smashed everywhere. She distinctly heard the sound of laughter as she was coming down the stairs. And so as she entered the dining room, she yelled out, who's there, show yourselves. There was no one there. She checked all of the doors and windows. They were all still locked and intact. She walked around the building, searching every place that she could think of, even the walk-ins, and found no one. So she calls Bill 
telling him, I'm going to call the police next, but I wanted to let you know, this is what happened. I have no idea where they are. I'm really sorry. She says, he says, did you hear laughter? She says, yeah. Don't worry about it. Go home. I'll talk to you about it in the morning. Okay. She comes in in the morning. He sits her down and says, Jen, this building is haunted. She says, yeah, I'm starting to get that. Now, they believe that this was the children, because there were, of course, children who would haunt the building. There were at least two of them that the staff would see at various times. And while their lives were not the kind of lives we would hope for for our children, they were still children and, as such, are prone to mischief. And when that started to happen more and more often, and it started to get too expensive to continue to replace all of the dishes, they stopped setting the tables for the lunch rush the night before. Now, there was one particular haunting that was very exciting to us. The owners of the tour got to do a mini investigation of Steeple Street with some members of the Ghost Hunters. And one of the things they discovered during their investigation was an electronic voice phenomenon, or EVP. That's when you record something and you play it back and there's a voice that no one heard when you were recording it. So you can hear the conversation going on, but there's a voice that wasn't there before. And so this particular voice was a male voice that said, what? And they got it when they were recording in a location where there was a spirit that would regularly manifest. Now this man would manifest always in the same place, always with the same appearance, very clearly. Had red hair pulled back into a low ponytail at the nape of his neck, a ruddy complexion, sweat glistening off his brow, a shirt open at the collar underneath a heavy leather apron with trousers tucked into heavy boots. He would be standing in the same place every time, hunched over, diligently doing the same repetitive motion until abruptly he would seize up and disappear. We believe that potentially that what was in conjunction with that seizing up as he was horribly struck in an accident where he lost his hands and ultimately his life. This theory is bolstered by the fact that while he would always appear very, very clearly, he never manifested below his forearm. So we believe that they were lost in a machining accident. Bill would close the restaurant every year right after the holiday rush for about two weeks. And during those two weeks, he would do maintenance and upgrades and all of that good fun stuff that you need to do to keep your business operating nicely. And so one particular year, he had decided that his big project was going to be redoing the bar, and particularly that kick below the bar. So on one day, while he was there with only his head chef, the chef was in the kitchen cleaning the hood over the range, and he was in the bar sanding off the paint so that he could redo it. He sees white pant legs next to him, assumes that it's his chef, Pedro, and so without looking up, he says, yeah, what's up, Pedro, what do you need? And gets no response. So he turns, Pedro, what is... And when he looks, he does not see Pedro. Instead, he sees a man in a full white suit resembling Colonel Sanders with a very stern face and no bucket of chicken. <laughs> this was a spirit that the staff generally called the Colonel due to his resemblance to our favorite Colonel Sanders. However, they believed that he was an overseer in the mill, as he generally had a very stern, disapproving look on his face and would generally manifest when you were not doing your job, sort of prodding you to get back to work. When Bill saw him, his breath froze in his throat until a moment later, the man vanished. Bill found his voice, called for Pedro, who came running from the distress in his boss's voice. Bill got up, went behind the bar, poured a couple shots. 
They threw them back, and they both went home for the day. <laughs> the building is currently empty. So if you are interested in operating a haunted restaurant, the rent per month is $10,000. And if you open it up, I am happy to send people your way. Fat Bellies didn't have as many spectacular stories, but apparently there was a television behind the bar, one in particular that they could not get to work despite every expert that came in saying there was nothing wrong with it and it should work fine. And that particular television was in the spot where our gentlemen would always manifest. We are now entering the basin, which is the crown jewel of Waterfire, but was once the crown jewel of downtown in a different way, as it was part of the promenade. And that was where all of society would come to stroll and see and be seen. In fact, when the Capitol building was built, it was built to overlook the promenade. However, while if you were keeping within the straight and narrow of society, you could walk the promenade, if you strayed too far, you would be locked away just out of sight and just out of reach. Where the Providence Place Mall now stands was once the Rhode Island State Penitentiary. It was built because as our population grew, those small town community uh, jails were not sufficing. With the larger influx of people, crime became greater and the populations of those prisons was growing. And you didn't want to have to lock up someone who was there for the night because of public intoxication with someone who was going to be locked up for a very long time for murder or some equally awful crime. So they built the Rhode Island State Penitentiary, and they built it on the model that if you stripped all of the humanity away from someone and then offered them tiny crumbs back at a time, they would cling to those crumbs desperately and never stray from a righteous path again. So when you were brought to the Rhode Island State Penitentiary, a black hood was placed over your head as you were walked to your cell. Every cell was solitary confinement. No one spoke to you. You did not speak to anyone. You did not see anyone and no one saw you. Your food was given to you from a slot in the door. There was a single window 14 feet above the floor, which let in a small shaft of light during the day. At night, unless someone was paying for whale oil for your lantern, you had no light. In the summer, it was oppressively hot. And in the winter, ice formed on the inside of the walls. Within a year and a half when the inspectors came through, they almost shut it down because everyone was losing their mind and many people had either attempted or successfully completed suicide. So changes needed to be made. They implemented a work program and during that work program, you didn't have to wear a hood over your head when you were outside of your cell and you could even speak to someone insofar as you needed to in order to complete your task. This was also, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Despite these changes, Within 30 years, they shut it down anyway when they opened the new one in Cranston. And in order to transport the population, they linked them together, chain gang style, and walked them from the Rhode Island State Penitentiary to their new home in Cranston in the middle of the night in hopes that this would not be a huge spectacle if done while everyone was asleep. However, the clanging of chains woke every house they passed and it became a giant spectacle anyway. Now, this was also the site of the last execution in Rhode Island. A man by the name of Amasa Sprague owned a mill, and he made Ebenezer Scrooge look like a nice guy at the beginning of the story. Across the street from his mill was a bar owned by three Irish immigrant brothers, the Gordon brothers. 
Amasa didn't like the bar being there, as his workers would often go across the street to the bar and either return in an unfit state to work or fail to return entirely. So he pulled some strings with his brother, who was the governor of Providence at the time, and had the bar shut down. Well, a little while after that, Amasa Sprague was found about a block and a half from his home in Cranston, bludgeoned to death with clear signs that an animal had gnawed on his brutally beaten remains. The Gordon brothers, their mother, and their dog were immediately arrested for the murder of Amasa Sprague. The mother and the dog were the first to be released, followed by the two brothers when their alibis checked out, but John Gordon remained locked up, hoping that when his alibi cleared, he too would be released. But someone needed to pay for the death of Amasa Sprague, and as an Irish immigrant, John Gordon fit the bill nicely, and when his case came to trial, the judge instructed the jury to weigh the testimony of any Protestant witness far more heavily than that of an Irishman. He was convicted and subsequently hanged down that end of the Providence Place Mall. Now, shortly after, new evidence came to light which cleared John Gordon. He could not have killed Amasa Sprague. Oops. Not really the kind of thing you want to be doing too often can't take that back, and so he was the last person to be put to death in the state of Rhode Island. Sprague Manor in Cranston is incredibly haunted. There is tons of activity there. There's an entire episode of the Ghost Hunters about Sprague Manor, in fact, and we believe that at least one of the spirits haunting it is John Gordon searching for the justice he was unable to find in life. Lincoln Chafee, who was governor a few years back, granted John Gordon a posthumous pardon in 2011, but that doesn't seem to have settled his spirit, and I don't really blame him for that. So right, uh, when we pass the next bridge, we're going to be coming back to where the two rivers converged, where we had that uh, slight encounter with the spirit there. <laughs> <laughs> He's been haunting our tours for a couple nights. <laughs> First, I thought he just didn't hear me. <laughs> Anyways, on the right-hand side, as we just pass this bridge, you'll see a pillar that goes up past the river wall. And uh, on that pillar, there's a series of numbers near the top, and down where the water stain stains the pillar, it says ST. ST stands for Spring Tide which is the highest tide in the monthly tide cycle when the tide springs to its highest level at the new moon. 14 feet above ST since 1938. And above, below 
wind lined up with our bay and blew the bay into downtown Providence. In a period of about four hours, we went from people going, hey, it's getting kind of windy outside, to that much water in downtown Providence. And you can see all over downtown, there are little plaques on buildings that say in the 1938 hurricane, the water levels rose to this point. That hurricane killed around 600 people across Rhode Island, wiped out all the summer houses, left boats a quarter mile inland all over the state. 1954, very similar hurricane, but we had radar. Radar was developed during the Second World War, so they were able to predict the hurricane much better, and only six people lost their lives. My suspicion is that more than one of them was a young man who said, here, hold this, I want to see what it's like in the wind out there. Back in 1815, they did not know what a hurricane was. They thought it was a strong, straight-line storm. The great gale of 1815 swept into Providence along the east bank of the river. It wiped out all the colonial-era and federal-era warehouses that were along the, the wharves there on the river. And in the downtown area, also along a lot of the wharves that were in the pier, on the piers that were being developed there to develop as a port. Whitman's General Store were among, was among the buildings that got wiped out. And all the ships that were in the harbor, which is the whole area, basically from Crawford Street on down, they were all blown through the bridge and into this area, which was a great big open salt cove. It was about 10 acres in extent. So that the day after the hurricane passed, all that was in here was bits of shit floating in the water. That hurricane did pass over, the eye passed over the house of a man who kept weather records, including temperature, rainfall, and wind speed. So his records of the wind going west and slowly stepping up and then reaching over 100 miles an hour and then dropping off to nothing, and then 100 miles an hour going east and then slowly stepping back down, were used by a Harvard professor who wrote the first theoretical description of a hurricane as being a giant swirling wind, which of course we know from today's descriptions, today's satellite pictures of a hurricane. When we emerge from underneath this bridge on your right will be a large building that's rather hard to miss. That, was, that is the Rhode Island Hospital Trust Building. It was the financial planning center for the Rhode Island Hospital, which came to fruition in 1919. Then it became a bank for a little while until it was bought by the Rhode Island School of Design, also known as RISD and was turned into the bottom floor is the Fleet Library, which is said to be one of the most beautiful school libraries in the country. And the upper floors were turned into very modern student housing. It is suite style with uh, those digital key card for entry. A young couple was returning to their dorms after a school break and they rode the elevator up together with the plan to go put their belongings back in their dorms, meet back up and then make the rounds to say hello to all of their friends. When the young lady entered her door, she noticed that she was the first of her suite mates to be back, keyed into her room, opened the door, and found that those plastic, almost Tupperware shelving units that you can get with the drawers, well, she had a few of them underneath her lofted bed, and one of them had been pulled out into the center of the room. All of the drawers were open, and the contents were all over her room. Now, art supplies are very expensive, and so she did not just leave them everywhere when she left for break. When her boyfriend came to the suite to pick her up, he noticed that she was unsettled, so she brought him and showed him. He jokingly asked if she had left it that way. I'm sure he got a little bit of a backhand for 
the comment. They cleaned it up, put it away back underneath the bed, and then went and said their hellos. When they finished up and headed back to her room, her roommates still didn't seem to be back. They entered her room, and it was back in the center of the room, the drawers open once more, and the contents all over. Concerned, they headed down to security as she called her sweet mates to see if maybe one of them was playing a prank, but they were still out of the state. When they reached security, they asked if somebody who had been living in the room pre previously could have gotten into the room and maybe done this. They said no, they recode the keys and locks every year. Maybe someone had made a duplicate. Nope, there's no record of a duplicate being made. So. In, to make sure that it hadn't been maintenance or something, security came back up to the suite with them. They ran their key and it gave them a readout of every key that had been used. The only one that had been used had been her key during the times where she had swiped it. So, I'm gonna wait. So, they turn to security and ask, is this building haunted? To which they got a very, very prompt response of, nope, 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 no. Well, un for understandable reasons, she became uncomfortable staying in her room alone. You are so cool, I wish I were you. We all wish we were that, right? <laughs> so she became uncomfortable staying in her room alone. He started staying over with her more and more, and not only did that continue to happen throughout the course of the rest of the year, but on several occasions, the shades over the window would open and close on their own. And on one particularly disturbing evening, he watched as a figure on her dresser slowly turned itself around to face the wall. Needless to say, the following year, they asked for different housing accommodations. Now, just behind that building, if you look past it down the street, you see this rounded corner of a building. That is the Turk's Head building. Now, where it now stands, Whitman's General Store once stood. Whitman was, Whitman's General Store was owned by jo, uh, Jacob Whitman, and when he built his general store, he wanted something to set it apart from the rest of the stores and to draw in customers, and he found this great bust of a leering Turkish sultan the kind that would normally be mounted to the front of a ship. Well, he mounted it above the door to his store, and it did. It drew in customers. It was very interesting. So interesting, in fact, that people started to call it the Turk's Head Building. Well, then the Great Gale of 1815 came in, swept through, and destroyed Whitman's general store. His son was out on the river seeing what he could salvage from the debris and if there were any people he could save from a watery death and what should pop up next to his boat but the Turk's head. He fished it out of the water, brought it home to his father, who was elated to receive it back. A few years later, his son struck out on his own to make his own store. He moved down to Alabama and his father sent the Turk's head with him as a token of good luck. His son mounted the Turk's head above the door to his store and it was just as popular down there. However, Alabama gets hurricanes too. And his store was unfortunately hit and also destroyed. And he lost almost all the contents of his store, including the Turk's head, which he managed to recover and salvage from the wreckage. What he had managed to salvage went into storage. And as he rebuilt, the storage facility caught fire. And he lost everything that was left. 
except the Turk's head. And when he finished rebuilding, it went above the door to the store once more until it was stolen. And though that is where it disappears from our story, it did not disappear from the memory of those in Providence. And when they built the building that now stands there, the Providence residents said, do you know what used to be here? The Turk's Head Building. And so they built the new Turk's Head Building, complete with the bust of a leering Turkish sultan above the door. Now, as we approach the uh, last bridge right here, I invite you to note the street lamps before they change over to a much more modern design. The street lamps all over Providence used to be gas lamps. And when they were gas lamps, they needed to be manually lit by a group of men called the Lamplighters Brigade who each night at twilight would descend upon the city to light the lanterns. And in a collection of stories in a book called by Rory Raven called Haunted Providence, there is recounted the tale of one such lamplighter. Now this gentleman had a daughter and his wife had passed. So his daughter was his entire world. And she loved her father just as much as he loved her. And each night when he would go out to light the lamps, she would wait in the front window of their house, watching for him to return. Well, she fell ill. And though until she could no longer do so, she waited at the window, she grew weaker and weaker and weaker. And though it pained him to leave her each night, he had to in order to keep a roof above their head and food in her belly. And so, he would leave and return, and eventually she passed. After she passed, he grew despondent, and eventually he too fell ill and ultimately passed. And after he passed, their house stood empty for some time. And one day, one of the neighbors was walking home, and as they walked past the house, they noticed a little girl sitting in the front window, looking as though she was waiting for someone to return. And though the house was still empty, more and more of the neighbors started to notice a little girl sitting in the window at twilight, waiting for her father to return. There is another story we like to tell about the lamplight while we are on the walking tour. And though I will not give you the whole story right now, I will give you a little taste of it. This story is a love story between two rather dark individuals. The lady was named Sarah Helen Whitman. She was known as the CRS of Providence. She was a writer and goth before modern goth was a thing. Wore a coffin-shaped pendant around her neck, held seances in her home, and dabbed on ether to ward off evil spirits instead of perfume to attract young men. Well, one very warm summer evening, she opened the front door of her house and stepped out onto the street to get a breath of fresh air. And standing across the street, underneath the street lamps, was a man you've probably heard of before. His name was Edgar Allan Poe. And the two had heard of each other, and when their eyes met, it was creepy love at first sight. Now, on one of their cemetery picnics, he proposed, and she accepted on the condition that he stopped drinking. He had developed a reputation for alcoholism, and her family would not approve of a union under those circumstances. He agreed to those conditions, and for a while, he even managed to live up to his agreement. But then, he began to drink once more, and when Sarah Helen found out, she heartbroken, called off the engagement. 
Likewise heartbroken, he left Providence, ending up in Baltimore, where he was found face down in a gutter, wearing someone else's clothing, allegedly asphyxiating on his own vomit, which is not a pretty way to go. After he died, one of his rivals wrote a slanderous obituary of him and then managed to get the copies of his works and tried to wipe him from the phase of history. The reason that we've heard of Edgar Allan Poe, despite this campaign, is due to the valiant efforts of a small group of his friends, prominent among which was Sarah Helen Whitman, I'm going to stand up because I can project better that way, who petitioned publishers to continue to publish his works, claimed that he had come to her in several of her seances, and made sure, right? We're gonna dance. flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door, and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. Thank you for joining us. So that was that tour. That was awesome. Yeah. What was your favorite part? What do you, if you think you had to pick something? I think the craziest thing to me is the Biltmore Hotel, which is now called The Graduate. And they actually have a van um, that looks like the Dumb and Dumber van, which the, is amazing. The Mutt Cuts, right? The Mutt Cuts van. Yeah. Um, that but, was also my favorite, I have to say. I thought there was just a certain creepiness about that one, you know? Uh, when she was talking about 11-year-old prostitutes, my eyes instantly darted to the kid on the boat who was like 11 years old <laughs> just to see his reaction. And he was totally unfazed by it. And I was like, does he know what prostitute means? Yeah, he's probably a prostitute himself. <laughs> and you know? his dad's just like smiling next to him. Right, his dad's like, yeah. <laughs> and then, but I was like, I think I probably knew what prostitute meant when I was 11 too. When she talks about killing the girl that died in the bathtub and like yeah. how that room's haunted... Mm -hmm. it, there's actually a video uh, 
online that we're going to put on the website um, that she referred to where she's talking about a door that, that closes on its own mm-hmm. and the guy staying in the room alone. Uh, it's a pretty famous video, I guess, or maybe not so much, but it, I, I'd never heard of it, so I think it's... Yeah, we watched it. It'd be it's cool. pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it could probably have been faked, but... I mean, there's a certain creepy quality to it. It's mm-hmm. worth it's worth giving a watch, and it seemed I don't know. It seemed pretty genuine to me. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, he like shows you behind the door and everything. Like it's, yeah, it's worth watching for sure. Yeah. And then you get to decide what you think afterwards. Yeah, exactly. You got to give your own opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know he could have fucking wrapped fishing twine or something around uh, <laughs> the handle. I right. Mean, but part of it is just judging. Uh, you know. Your own opinion. You got it. That's the thing, right? Yeah. You take the plunge or not. Um, I also thought the thing about the Providence Place Mall being a giant prison before and like how they had to transfer all the people in the jail and uh, they walked all shackled in the middle of the night and they thought they thought nobody would notice if they did it late. Yeah. But just the sound of the chains woke everybody up. (laughs) I thought that was great. You think that like Hot Topic was one of like those solitary confinements? <laughs> I think it still is. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> the the fucking goths that at, at the cash register they just look so sad and like like that gate comes down at night it's and they're not on the other there. side. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was really cool though. Yeah, so check out www.evilexamine.com and we'll put the video up. Um, so you can check it out and make your you decide for yourself. Uh, give us an email if you want. Evilexamine at gmail.com. Tell us if you thought it was total horse shit. Or mm. um, if you think that, you know, you feel the terror in this man and you're just completely convinced now. Yeah. You know? Could could life change your whole shit? Uh, update, right? What about the Conjuring House thing? Oh, Didn't dude. you say they're opening soon? Uh, yeah, I think in like three weeks or something. They did film a special there that they aired on Halloween uh, with like the Travel Channel or something. So they did like, uh, I guess the guy that's been there has been sick since he been, has been in there. But they're opening up for tours later in November. And do you, is it just tours or do you know if people will be able to stay overnight? They haven't said yet. Either way, we're going to definitely go there. Yeah, we could just hide once we get inside and sleep we'll give there. Give you guys the 411. And then um, if we can stay there, we definitely will. Um, it's in Burlville. Burlville. With all I used to have an uncle who lived in Burlville. Burlville. Try to say Burlville. <laughs> stick my dick in your butt. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, sorry. That was an outburst. <laughs> Hi, Uncle Pete. Oh, God. Burlville. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that'll be cool, though. I'm really looking forward um, to uh, the, the Breakdown podcast. That's BR3. If you want to look them up, they recently had me on to talk about uh, self-publishing. And uh, as you know, we've had them on the show before. Um, I believe Millie and Ronnie are too scared to go. They're, they're too mm-hmm. fearful. Um, but uh, Lil George is going to go with us no matter what. He said he want, he really is interested in it and he mm-hmm. wants to go. So so we'll have one of, uh, one of them with us when we go. Oh, and, uh, I can't wait to see his reactions. Right, and then JP is just like a fucking uh, a magnet. magnet. Yeah, he's a magnet for demonic and paranormal forces. So <laughs> I'm sure uh, he'll be traumatized and uh, you know stir up whatever entities have been dwelling in that house. Mm-hmm. 
If there's a bathroom in there too, I'm gonna try and take a shit in the conjuring house just to say I did it. You think it will be a ghost shit? I I think it will. <laughs> I think that's the only <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> Look down. Keep wiping. There's nothing here. <laughs> but uh Oh, is the ghost so there's a few different definitions of ghost shit, right? Like one I feel like is one that it hides in the hole. That's the it. ghost shit. When you wipe your asshole and it's like clean and there's no. That's the clean thing. shit. That's a clean shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I used to that have can the, happen even when you see your shit. That's true. I have. Um, <laughs> I used to have that poster, the shit list on my wall. It had all the different ones. Did oh you ever God. see that? No. I'll have to Google it. Maybe we'll try and put a picture up of the shit list on the website for you guys. It's important. So you could see. There's also the iceberg shit. That's the one that pokes out of the water. Oh yeah. And the artwork was fabulous on this poster. You ever like try to read your shit like tea leaves, like fortune telling? Like there's letters in there and you're like, what are you saying to me? I had a, I've had an S shit, but mostly it's usually just the I's. Mm. Capital I. A capital <laughs> I shit. <laughs> Not with the hooks, of course, you know, but just a straight. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, or a lowercase L, however you've, however you You ever wanna... get a J? Yeah, I think I've gotten a J. And um, I got a question mark one time. That's crazy. That was nuts. I tried to take a picture of it, but the automatic sensors on the toilet sucked <laughs> it down before I could get it on ratemypoo.com. You're <laughs> <laughs> right. It can't be proven. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's awesome, though. So enough of this shit. <laughs> we got. We'll have that content on the website soon for you, um, within the next day or so. And uh, we got some ghostly shit coming on uh, in our upcoming weeks. So as you know, we do our odd news of Forbidden Five and then uh, the evil entry kind of in within a three-week span. Um, but I, uh, I believe Steady Eddie and uh, Little George will be joining us for our next episodes. That's kind of who we have penciled in. And Eddie recently was in South Dakota, um, like... I don't know if he was just traveling, but he found some, he, he, he went into some really haunted fucked up places. So he's going to share some of those travel stories with us. And, uh, yeah, it looked pretty cool from what he sent me. I was pretty wasted at the Halloween party while he was like (laughs) explaining it. It, Like he texted me the next day and I'm like, this stuff's great. We got to do a show on it. He's like, you said we were doing a show on it at the Halloween party. I was like, dude, I don't even remember, (laughs) like remember most of that, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Like, Halloween. Yeah, that's ill though. But happy Halloween, everyone. Ooh. We know it's sadly over now, but not here. No, on Evil Examine, it. it's all year long. Did you want to wrap up with anything else? Um, what is a ghost's favorite berry? Booberry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. That's awesome. I usually don't get jokes right. Oh, well, you got it. You ruined it. I ruined it for you. I was going to say it all cool, too. Go ahead and say it how you would. Booberry. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed the tour of uh, Haunted Providence. Again, that's Providence Ghost Tours. Walking and boat tours are available. Check them out. Um, you know, if you're going on like a first date, too, that might be fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Get the girl all scared. You know what I mean? And then... Uh, Play the protector role. Yeah, you could be... The guardian angel, you know, mm-hmm. just keep her close to you, rub up on her, you know. Yeah, that's what Aaron did with my mom. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Until next week, <laughs> we shall see you in the future. Thank <laughs> you.